We will take our text this morning from just one verse from our scripture reading. We'll look at John chapter 18, and we'll look at verse 38, just the first part of that verse. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? Pilate was not the first man to ask this question, nor will he be the last person to ask this question, what is truth? This is that age-old question down through the centuries that has plagued men almost from the beginning of time. What is truth? Certainly in this world, and this culture that we live in today, I've personally never seen a time when the truth has been suppressed and changed and redefined and reevaluated as much as it is today, of course, it begs the question, what is truth? The Bible has much to say about truth. It tells us to buy it and sell it not. Jesus commanded his disciples to continue in the truth. We know that the truth, it says, if we know it, it'll make us free. But what is truth? Some have said there is no absolute truth. The problem with a statement like that is that the person that makes it has already contradicted themselves. They've stated absolutely that there's no absolute truth. But in fact, there is absolute truth. Truth is measured by different things. It's a statement based upon facts. It is something proven and tested over time. We've all heard of those time-honored and time-tested truths. Actual existence conforming with the facts. Something that holds up under scrutiny and questioning. These are some ways to judge whether something is true or not. The Bible says it is a precious commodity. Certainly, we would say that today in our society. Isaiah 59 says that truth has fallen in the streets. But we know... God's Word has stood the test of time. God's Word is absolute truth. You know, sometimes to understand better what something is, it's good to understand what something is not. I remember Brother John a while back uh, preaching about the real and the counterfeit and talked about when he worked in a bank there and they would train certain tellers to check a currency or a bill and they would study, he said often they would study the counterfeit intensely to try to find the characteristics and the things that would uh, show that it wasn't the real and genuine article. So by familiarizing themselves with the counterfeit, they were able to better distinguish what the real thing was. Well, it's kind of the same thing with the truth. We know there are some things that truth is not. Truth is not changeable. Absolute truth does not change. It is not fluid. It doesn't transition with the culture, with the whims of the culture. The truth is always the truth, and nothing can change that. There are certain laws in nature and in science that are simply absolute truths. A square will always be a square. A circle will always be a circle. The law of gravity, what goes up must come down. Those are proven truths. Those are absolute truths. God's Word is absolutely true. It doesn't change. 
It doesn't alter it in any way. Uh, you know, God's word was meant to change man. Man was never meant to change God's word. God's word was meant to take sinful fallen man and transform him and bring him back into relationship with the Lord through Christ. Man was never meant to change the word of God to fit his whims or his desires. You can't alter or change the facts. The Bible says the Lord God himself said, I am the Lord and I change not. It tells us in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So we know God's word does not change. Absolute truth does not change. And God's word gives us some very, very strong warnings against those that would try to change and alter what God's word says. If you look in Romans chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What does it mean to hold the truth in unrighteousness? It means to take God's word and to change it, to try to accommodate sin. It is to take God's word and know what it says and willingly reject it and disobey it. It says, to the one that does that, he holds that truth in unrighteousness. And the wrath of God is stored up against those that do such things. And it goes on in that same chapter. It shows us this downward spiral as people begin to reject God's truth as they begin to write their own truths. Verse 22, it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. People that think they're smarter than God people that think they can make their own rules and disregard the word of the Lord. The Bible says they're fools. They may be brilliant in the world's sight, but God says they're fools. Verse 25, it says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not Convenient. I don't think I need to expound on those verses. We all know what God's Word says. But it's telling us that those who would take God's Word and change it to fit their godless, deviant lifestyles, the Bible says they do that to their own damnation. It talks about being given over to a reprobate mind. That's beyond repair. A reprobate mind means morally corrupted or condemned to damnation. This is the dangerous, slippery slope people begin down when they begin to change God's truth, God's absolute truth. In verse 32, it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Very, very foolish and dangerous to try to change God's word. 
God's Word is not what we want it to be or whatever works. You know, some people have this idea that the ends kind of justify the means. It's maybe this pragmatic view of the truth. You know, lying is okay if it yields a more favorable result. No. What does God's Word say? Psalm 15.4 The Lord honoreth those that fear Him and swear to their own hurt and change not. You know, I was reading the account just the other day of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I came across a verse, and it kind of jumped out at me. It says, as they refused to bow to that golden image, and they resisted the decree of the king, they were ratted out and taken before King Nebuchadnezzar, and it says he was full of rage and fury. And he said, is this true, O Nebuchadnezzar, or O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I thought, what would we do in a situation like that? Certainly, they could have been tempted to think, well, the ends justify the means. Maybe we'll tell the king we didn't hear the decree or we didn't understand it. And uh, they could have compromised, but they didn't. They swore to their own hurt and they changed not. God is a God of truth and we must be people of truth, even if it means sometimes what we may see as the result is not the best one. Certainly people can lie their way out of difficult circumstances, but God is a God of truth. He expects us to be people of truth, so the Lord is not whatever we want it to be or whatever works in a certain situation. The truth is not what makes people feel good. Affirmation does not equal truth. What if I woke up this morning and I decided... I'm no longer going to live as a shorter man. I'm going to be 6'4 going forward. This is my new truth. I'm tired of being a tall man trapped inside a short man's body. So this is my new truth. I am now 6'4. This is how I identify. Would that change the truth? Would that make me any taller? I couldn't add one cubit to my stature like the Bible says. What if I got some really good platform shoes or I learned to walk on stilts? Would that make me six foot four? No. The truth is the truth. What if you went along with it and you affirmed me in my new truth? Would that make me six four? No. That would make you as crazy as I was. It's ridiculous. The truth is the truth. It's not what makes us feel good. Jesus never, ever ever affirm somebody in their sin and their disobedience just to make them feel good. Jesus loved them too much, so he told them the truth, always told them the truth. You think about that rich young ruler as he came to the Lord, he said, a good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It says, Jesus, beholding that man, he loved him, and he told him the truth. He said, there's an idol in your life. You need to get rid of that thing. Then come, take up your cross and follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. That man went away sorrowful. Was Jesus concerned about his feelings? No, he was concerned about his soul. He didn't affirm him and say, oh, you're doing such a good job, you're okay. No, he told him the truth. Jesus always speaks the truth, and he speaks the truth in love. So we know the truth isn't always what makes somebody feel good. Jesus is more concerned about our holiness than our happiness, and sometimes the truth can hurt But we must accept it. If we know the truth, it will be the truth that makes us free. Truth is not what is simply believed or what's publicly accepted. It's not what the majority says is true. 
Truth isn't subjected to political correctness. You know, there's many things in our culture today that we see foundational truths established by God himself that are being undermined and attacked. God gives us some foundational truths regarding marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, clear back in the very beginning, tells us God formed the man and he took out of his rib and formed Eve, formed the woman. He made them male and female and he joined them together. It says Eve became Adam's wife. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God established the rules. The Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all that they that dwell in are mine. God gets to write the rules. God is the authority, and he establishes truth. And this is the truth you established regarding Marriage, it was between one man and one woman. Jesus reiterated this in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 6 through 9. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together Let not man put asunder. Verse 11 and 12. Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. These are foundational truths in God's word. These are offensive to many. People have tried to change these foundational, fundamental, orthodox, biblical truths in God's Word, it doesn't change the truth. And people that disregard and disobey and rewrite the truth, they do so at their own peril. We also know uh, Paul addressed this in Romans 7 when he talked about the man and the woman and the marriage. It says they were bound to one another under the law, God's law, until death do them part. So we can see marriage is between one man, one woman, in his exclusive relationship, and it's for life. There is no same-sex marriage in God's economy. That is not accepted by God. That is an abomination Anybody who rewrites the rules and who pursues that kind of lifestyle, again, the Bible says, though that participate in such things shall be destroyed. There's some very strong warnings here. And these truths are being under attack. We see there also in that portion of Scripture, the Lord seems to clear up another thing that seems to be so confusing nowadays, but from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. There are two genders. Trust the science on this one. There are only two, male and female. From the beginning of time, that is what God said. I heard about a job application where there were 42 different gender choices. That's nonsense. That is a lie. God says he created them, male and female, created them. That will never change. And God doesn't make a mistake. If he creates a boy, a boy, he's going to be a boy the rest of his life. If he creates a girl, a girl, they can change their bodies. They can change their chemical makeup. They can't change their DNA. 
God doesn't make mistakes. Male and female created He them. When people change the truth, all kinds of confusion sets in. All kinds of heartache and destruction. It's a slippery slope. What God said remains to be what God said. The truth is the truth. It isn't what is publicly accepted or what majority says is true. Not if it compromises or contradicts what God's Word says to be true. The truth isn't defined by what is intended. There's an old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions don't make something true. You can be here this morning, and if you're unsaved, and you know you're unsaved, you may even realize that if you stood before the Lord today, you would be, uh, you'd be in a lost eternity. You may realize that the only way to get to heaven is to be born again. That is an absolute truth. And you may even think, you know, I intend to do that someday. doesn't make you saved. Good intentions are not the same thing as the truth. Good intentions can lead to procrastination, putting off what should be taken care of today. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart as in a day of provocation. So we know the truth isn't defined by what is intended. You know the truth has been challenged since the beginning of time. There's this idea, and I've heard people say it, well, All truth claims are valid. You tell somebody something, they say, well, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. Well, can two claims be equally true? What if one claim says a woman is pregnant and with child, and the other claim says, no, she's not? Can both claims be mutually true and right? No, of course not. It's ridiculous. There's only one absolute truth. You know, clear back in the Garden of Eden, we see two different claims being made. God told Adam and Eve, He set them in the midst of the garden. He said, you can eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat it, you shall die. That was God's truth claim. What does Satan do? He comes along and he says, half God really said... This is what's really true. He said the Lord only said that because He knows the day that you eat it, your eyes are going to be open and you'll be wise and you'll become like God. Which claim was true? Obviously, we know which claim was true. God's truth claim was the truth. Sadly, people bought the lie and it's plunged the entire human race into sin. But we know the truth is exclusive. This idea that more than one truth or more than one opinion can be true is simply false. It doesn't distinguish between opinions and truth. You know, the truth doesn't care about your feelings or your opinions. It's the truth. Why is the truth so offensive to many? Well, because the absolute truth is extremely narrow-minded and intolerant. Absolute truth doesn't make allowance for other truths. If I said 2 plus 2 equals 4, is that intolerant? Is that being unfair? Of course not. That is an absolute truth. That is an established truth. 
Any teacher that stood up in the classroom and said two plus two equals four, would they be considered intolerant? What if one of the students decided, no, I want it to be three, or I want it to be 3.9.9, almost four? No. The truth is the truth. It is intolerant to all other truths, the absolute truth. There's only one. That's why it seems so offensive to so many people. What did Jesus say concerning salvation and eternal life? John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. There is no alternative. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It says no other name under heaven. There is no other name given under heaven whereby a man must be saved. It is through Jesus Christ. He is the only door. Jesus said anyone who tries to get up any other way, the same as a thief and a robber. That's pretty exclusive. That's pretty intolerant. That's pretty narrow-minded, but this is what offends so many people. You know, that means that any other religion besides biblically-based Christianity is a false religion. If it isn't built and based in the Word of God, it is a false religion created and designed to deceive people from the truth. But the good news is, even though the truth is exclusive, the invitation is all-inclusive. Jesus doesn't withhold the truth from anyone. I heard a man say one time, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Just be sincere in what you believe. Well, the man was sincerely wrong. He believed it, but he was wrong. You know, there's a group out there, believe it or not, who still think the earth is flat. It's true. They identify themselves as the Flat Earth Society. I saw a special promo a while back. They were offering free memberships to those who are fully vaccinated. So it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense, regardless of the proof, the satellite images, everything that's proven. Otherwise, there's still people that sincerely believe the earth is flat. Well, there are those that sincerely believe they are going to heaven. But if you're believing on anything other than Jesus Christ... If you're believing on anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice to cover your sins, if you haven't repented and yielded your life to Jesus Christ, no other truth is going to make any difference. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus in John 8, as He was speaking to the Jews and the scribes and Pharisees, He said, if you continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. But when they heard this, they became offended. They said, we're of Abraham's seed and we were never in bondage to any man. How then could you say that we'll be free? The ironic thing is they were living under Roman bondage at this time, but they simply could not accept the truth that Jesus was the only way to salvation. The Lord put that offer out there. He said, you know the truth and the truth will make you free. There is only one truth. It is through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to salvation. That explains why absolute truth is so important. You know, life has consequences for being wrong. If you gave somebody too much medication or you took the wrong medications, got them mixed up, you could end up killing that person or dying yourself. 
If you make too many bad investments and you ignore good financial advice, you might, may, may find yourself being financially bankrupt. If you turn down a one-way street the wrong way, guess what? There's consequences for that. Never has this been more important than when it comes to spiritual truth. Eternity is the wrong time to find out you've been wrong. The Bible says you must be born again. That is the truth. That covers every person, everyone who's wondering how to get to heaven. Jesus laid it out there for Nicodemus, and it wasn't just exclusively for Nicodemus. He said, any man who ever hopes to enter the kingdom of heaven must be born again. That is the criteria. It's narrow. It's straight. Straight is the way, narrow is the gate. But it's available to all. That's the wonderful thing, and God wants us to know the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This is good and acceptable unto the Lord. God wants you to know the truth. God makes the truth available to everybody here. He said, Jesus sent out invitations. He says, all who are thirsty, come drink of the water of life freely. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The truth is exclusive. The invitation is all-inclusive. It's for the whosoever will says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It is a truth that will purify and sanctify us. Jesus prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we know the Bible tells us, buy the truth and sell it not. But salvation isn't for sale. So how do we buy it? We buy it with our lives. We buy it with our hearts. We buy it with our souls. We buy it with our submitting to the Lord and yielding to the Lord. And Jesus, in closing, gave us one more spiritual truth. He told us about the cost of discipleship. He said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. To deny ourselves, we must be completely honest before the Lord. When we come to the Lord, and if you're looking for truth, you need to be willing to abandon all your own ideas, all your own philosophies, all your own ideas and thoughts about what the truth is. You have to be willing to admit you were wrong, and you have to yield to Jesus Christ. That's the first step. It tells us we're to take up our cross. You know, you have to be willing to bear the reproach for living a godly, holy life in this culture, in this world we're living in. If you stand for the truth, you are going to face opposition. And God, again, His Word makes it very clear. He says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's the cross you have to bear. You accept the truth. You embrace the truth. You buy it. You sell it not. 
You take up your cross and you follow the Lord. That's the second step. And then Jesus said, follow me. He also said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So we need to be willing to continue to follow the Lord in the truth. But we know the word says the truth will make you free. Jesus has the words that lead to eternal life, and he offers that key to everyone here today. God bless you. If you don't know what the truth is, if you're looking for the truth, your search can end this morning. You can get on your knees and pray an honest prayer. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Confess your sins to the Lord. The Lord will change you. He'll open your eyes. He'll show you what the truth is. And He'll help you to continue in the truth. We know one day the Lord is returning very soon. That's another truth in His Word. But we can be ready for that day. You can be born again. You can know the truth this morning. May God bless you. These altars are open. Let's come. And the song is 563.